In this episode, we're going to talk about how to win more business with digital marketing. We're going to talk to a marketing expert who says digital has disrupted how decision makers make purchasing decisions. This is P is for Profit. You're listening to the P is for Profit podcast with Adam Lean, where it's not about how much you make. It's about how much you keep and how much freedom you enjoy. Welcome to P is for Profit. My name is Adam Lean, and I, along with the rest of the team at the CFO Project, are passionate about helping business owners improve the profitability of their business. My guest today is Liz Simpson. She's a marketing expert and owns a business development agency called Stimulus. Lynn, Liz, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here, Adam. Oh, man, I'm excited to jump in and find out what you do <laughs> and how you do this. I completely agree with you about the the digital marketing has disrupted how people make buying decisions. So I'm excited to dive in. Uh, But uh, before we do, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and and why you started this business. Yes. So I spent over a decade in sales, Adam. And then I had um, on my 30th birthday, um, I realized I was miserable. I had a, a best friend who said, wow, in our early 20s, we had been roommates and I told her all these goals. And she said on my 30th birthday, she's like, oh my gosh, you've checked the boxes. You have the six figures and the house and kids and the, the marriage. And she meant it as a compliment. And um, I got off that phone call and I felt gut punched because I thought, okay, if I've checked the boxes, then why do I feel miserable? Mm. And so it was kind of just this, you know, existential crisis, if you will, of figuring it out. Okay, something's not right. Um, you need to reassess what your goals are and what success looks like for you. And so I left corporate soon after um, to the disdain of about everybody I knew. (laughs) And um, I decided I wanted to be a speaker and author. And in that time that I was working with clients, I just realized over and over, so many businesses lack a plan for how they're going to have sustainability through revenue. Meaning that when I would have relationships with clients, so many of them, you know, there was no structure that was creating revenue for them. You know, they were trying many different things, throwing spaghetti at the wall. um, And I was seeing how it was impacting them personally. And um, a speaker, when I was at a conference once, she said, if good people knew how to do good business, the world would be a better place. And that was just one of those moments where I was like, that's it. I want to help good people do good business. Like I want to help people so that they're not stressed out about where clients are coming from or when times are good, worrying about, you know, is is the floor going to drop from, you know, beneath us in a few months. So mm-hmm. my obsession is helping businesses create structure and processes around client acquisition so that they can have uh, predictable growth. That's really what drives me. Wow. Yeah. And, and I know that's a, your story resonates a lot because I talk with a lot of business owners and it completely makes sense. So a couple of questions based on your, you know, what you just shared with us. So yeah. how did you reassess your goals? What, like what, how did you define what success looks like going forward? When, when you thought you've checked the boxes, how did you reassess that and figure out what you wanted to do? Yeah, that's a daily walk. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. Yeah, that's a daily loss, right? Because my business has has evolved with the market over time. So I'm really like I wrote a book on self discovery. So I have very radical. Um, I won't say radical, I'm, but I'm highly committed to uh, self mastery. So getting up in the morning, working out, 
meditating, journaling, um, listening to myself. Um, there's a quote by Danielle Laporte where she says, the, de- the journey has to feel how you want the destination to feel. Oh, and I love so, that. Yeah, and, and I don't, Malcolm Gladwell has the, I, yeah, I think it's Malcolm Gladwell, the book Blink, and just really studying our intuition. Okay, I'm a book nerd. Another one, if someone hasn't read, is Essentialism by Greg McEwen. Like, mm-hmm, these, I read that too. Yeah, so I'm just radically committed to what's going on with me, how do I feel, and I really believe that my intuition is the GPS. So in that, right, and in the feely area, it's been, okay, what do I do well? What do clients need and what type of lifestyle do I want? That's always been, been the focus. Mm. And, and through that, I'm obsessed. Like if we wanted to talk about buyer psychology, what buyers need, buyer behavior, um, sales processes, like I love those things. I can talk about those things all the time. Um, and those tend to be things that other people don't enjoy. They don't geek out about sales like I do. So I just kind of found a perfect marriage there. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And so, so I'm assuming that you think it's okay for people to pivot based on if they get to the place where they, they thought they wanted and it's not where they, they, their heart lies, it's okay to pivot and do something else in your business or even an t- entirely different business. Yeah, I, I think it's required. I think that, I mean, I don't believe in muscling through life. I think that's where we find innovation and ingenuity is yeah. when people kind of follow you know, the pieces and then they fall into something that's brand new. Cause you know, so yes, I definitely believe pivoting is necessary. I think we pivot with the market. Mm, yeah. Makes sense. So let's talk about sales. Yeah. So what makes sales so difficult for business owners and entrepreneurs? I think the idea of it, I just think people have a, a poor perception of sales. They think of it as sleazy, manipulative, you know, I'm trying to muscle someone into making a buying decision. And, and that was more, we call it traditional. I hate to call it traditional. Those were some more of the old school tactics. We, I call it outbound, right? So a lot of times outbound sales. Like door-to-door I'm, sales. Cool. Exactly, cool right? I'm, I'm interrupting you in your process and I'm trying to muscle you into something that you don't need. But if we're talking small business owners, you know, the majority of the time, you're in business because you really want to serve your market. You see a problem that you want to solve. You know, you want to give great customer experience. You want to have relationships with your clients. And that's really what sales is. Sales is really having a relationship with another person and it's an exchange of value. And I think we struggle with sales because in the past, sales tactics were very aggressive, but the buyer's taking control of the buying process now. So your buyer is going through the majority of their buying process online, meaning that 60% of the sales process happens in private. So they're not having to talk to someone to make a buying decision. They're deciding, they're looking for something, they're Googling, they're doing their own, they're self-educating. And then if your process demands that they have human interaction, they're waiting as long as possible until that happens. Um, So knowing that the buyer's in control there's no, you know, I won't say there's no real way, but it's not good business to um, practice those old sales um, tactics anymore. And I just think most people still think sales as I'm going door to door of a snake oil salesman. That makes sense. So, so I guess the question is how how do you be discovered by these by your potential buyers looking online? Like, what are the 
what are some of the lo- some of the low hanging fruits that business owners just need in order to be discovered? And I'm assuming that's where your process is coming to play. But, but mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So if I were to wrap up everything that I do in one phrase, I think it's thought leadership marketing. That there's so many phrases. There's digital marketing. You know, there's LinkedIn. There's you know online sales. There's inbound, outbound. But really, from my perspective, it's thought leadership marketing. It's really understanding your buyer. So the framework I teach clients is prospects only care about outcomes. And that if you take Absolutely. the first, right, that, that's what they're looking for. We're in business, you know, as Peter Drucker says, the purpose of business is to create a customer. And so we're all about solving some type of problem. And so the best way to do that, if we know buyer behavior is I have a problem or I'm curious about something or I'm aware of something. And so I'm going to go online to find um, facts that support it, or I'm trying to understand what this looks like, how other people approach it. Then the best solution is to be (laughs) the information that they find when they're looking. So be that education. And so thought leadership marketing is the idea of positioning yourself as a subject matter expert of being an authority which we naturally tend to be if we're in business. If you decide to start a business about something, you tend to start that business because you have a higher level of expertise about that you know, solution that you provide. So it's just making sure that you are um, creating the content for that. So we're on a podcast because both of us are leveraging thought leadership marketing right now by sharing our thoughts, our ideas, and our approach for those who resonate with us when they're looking for these types of answers. When they hear this, hopefully we're educating them and then hopefully they build rapport with us. So it shortens the sales cycle. So now that when I'm ready to make a buying decision or a purchase decision, I'm going to go to the person who has educated me about the topic to begin with. Um, so that's, I guess that's the long answer of that, Adam. Yeah. So, I mean, because there's an underlying level of trust that they've built because they trust you through the the way you've positioned yourself as a subject matter expert. Absolutely. I want to to dive into this a little bit further, but let's talk about one thing you said. Prospects only care about outcomes. I completely, 100% agree with you. People don't hire a marketing person because of the marketing person's tactics or or processes. They hire them because they want more sales. (laughs) Yes, yep. So so talk about it a little bit more. Yes, absolutely. So... Um, so the framework that we have is if we look at each of those, I believe structure creates freedom. And typically, small business owners are looking for freedom. And they're either caught up in the day-to-day of the business or trying to figure out where revenue is coming from. So I'm always, you know, structure creates freedom in business. It just so happens most people do not create structure around their sales process or their client acquisition process. So our yeah. process and approach is first that that P is positioning. So where I think most people trip up is they get excited about tactics that they hear about, but they, but they don't have a clear positioning strategy, meaning that you're not absolutely clear on who your buyer is, your buyer behaviors. What does their buyer's journey look like? What's your unique perspective and approach to their problem? And getting clear about how to create messaging that resonates with your audience. So if we know that buyer behavior means that most people are looking online for solutions, what's the language that they use? What are they looking for? And then how do we mirror that language in our positioning strategy? And then from there, the second 
part is the O, which is optimize. So once we have a clear positioning strategy, we've aligned marketing and sales, we're all speaking the same language within the organization, then we need to make sure our digital footprint reflects that. So, you know, your website is, a, you know, um, a critical asset that you need to optimize with that language. And then for my clients, it's LinkedIn. So LinkedIn is the number one professional platform. It's, you know, all of your Fortune 500 companies are there. There's over 63 million decision makers there. And 84% of C-suite executives say that they turn to LinkedIn to make purchasing decisions. Lastly, LinkedIn is one of the top indexing sites with Google. So what that means is if you Google yourself right now, odds are your LinkedIn profile is going to be one of your top results. I've dumped so much money into SEO for my website. And if you Google me, and I had a YouTube channel for about five years, which is owned by Google. But if you Google me, my LinkedIn profile is the number one result. So I want to make sure that top result that people find me online is buyer centric and it reflects my positioning strategy. And then I'll go quickly through the last three. The C is for cadence. So cadence is basically, all right, if we're going to go out there and try to go get business, what's our approach? What are the steps? And what's our language at each step? How are we going to build value for our prospects at each step in our sales process? And then the A is amplify. That's your thought leadership marketing. So while you're going to get business, that's the sales side. Once we have a sales process and deal plays, in the background, we're building thought leadership marketing, meaning we're doing podcasts, we're publishing articles, um, we're providing value, we're speaking, whatever that looks like for your brand. But you're building this brand of being an authority, an educator, and a trusted advisor for whatever it is the solution you solve. And then finally, the O is converting them online connections into offline conversations. So for my clients, based off of their deal size, they're in relationship-driven businesses. So they can only take clients so far online. Eventually, they're going to have to have a conversation to then transact into business. So what's our method for how we're going to convert that online attention into offline sales conversations and make sure the offline sales conversation is aligned with the reputation that we've built digitally? So that's the long process. Mm. I wish we had time to dive into each of these because that, that makes sense. And, and I would love to learn more about each of these. The, 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 the concept that you have with the positioning, the optimize, the cadence, amplify, and online to offline, that conceptually makes sense. But let's just dive into one of them and let's, let's yeah. talk about the, the positioning. So how does a business owner listening uh, begin to position themselves in terms of understanding their buyer's behavior, understanding the buyer themselves? Like who are they targeting? Yeah. So if you've been in business for some time, and, and I love because this aligns so well with your topic, Adam, the, I, I'm excited about what you do because <laughs> what, what, so when I'm working with clients, this is one of the questions I'm asking are, who are your best customers? You know, who are the clients and where, what are the services that you're seeing the greatest profitability? And I was the chief growth officer for a consulting firm where I led sales and marketing. And part of my structure where I was incentivized was our gross profit margin. Mm -hmm. And so if you've been in business for some time, it was looking back, you know, if you've been in business for years, looking through your clients and thinking through who were my best clients and why? What was it about our relationship? What was it about what they, what they were buying from me? Was it that they were buying a particular product or service that had a greater profit margin on it? Um, so that's one way that you can look at. There's part of the emotional connection of what types of clients do I enjoy? And then there's also the business of 
you know, for what types of clients was I able to create the greatest outcomes for? Where am I uniquely qualified? So that's one way. If, if you're newer in business and you're still in that phase of you're kind of, you know, exploring and experimenting, um, really looking at your past experience. So are there particular industries that I have an affinity for or I have a particular experience in? Um, so that's where I would start, uh, per se. My belief about this digital economy is that the generalist is going to be disrupted by digital. Because if you look at buyer behavior and what's happening with technology, if we know that buyers are searching online, what we also know are tools like voice search are becoming more and more paramount, which means your buyers are searching very specifically. So they're not saying, I'm looking for a digital marketing expert. They're saying, I'm in the manufacturing business. I have a small business, small manufacturing business in Texas, and I'm looking for a digital marketing expert to help. So as they get more specific in their searches, if you're a generalist, it's going to be really hard for the market to find you. So when it comes to positioning, I believe in niching down um, as, as, <laughs> as far as you can go, really, um, so that your market can really find you if they're looking for a specialist in that industry. So quick question on the, on the niching down. I mm-hmm. you know, uh, makes sense. Completely agree. I've heard, you know, the, the riches are in the niches, <laughs> but how does somebody, let's say a roofing company, how mm-hmm. do they niche down? Do they niche down to say commercial roofs only, or do they niche down to a town or do they niche down to a uh, type of, uh, type of buyer? What's, yeah, what, yeah. I is think it, that's, I think that's a personal decision. So you're talking about basically ver- vertical and horizontal niches, right? So right. A, vertical, a vertical niche is saying that I'm going to look at an industry, you know, I specifically help professional service firms who are small businesses with less than 20 employees like that. That's, and that's more of my vertical, right? The horizontal is that I can help them with LinkedIn strategies. So I'm, some people might say I'm a social selling expert. That's more horizontal. To me, the perfect, the perfect mix to me is the match on both axes where you can match your vertical with your horizontal. So I'm a LinkedIn expert specifically for B2B professional service firms that have under 50 employees. Like that, to me, that's the sweet sauce is when you can match both. Um, it's incredibly uncomfortable. I would say in the years that I've been working with clients, this is where I get the biggest fight because when you're a small business and you're concerned about cash flow, you're immediately, your immediate thought is, everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm going to cut off business. And so it's uncomfortable. Typically, what I tell clients when I'm working with them to ease their mind is that, you know, let's do this for 18 months. You don't have to stay here forever. But in order to carve out enough of a threshold to be seen as a thought leader in your space, we have to commit to this strategy for a good 12 to 18 months. Now, if your business is profitable enough and we have enough of a enough of a threshold, then we could look at reaching out to other verticals um, to grow. Um, inevitably, though, that eases their mind. But typically, by eighteen months, they they realize that you kind of let the the flood through, and they're so busy serving clients or expanding it that they stay there longer. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Looking at businesses in general, you've worked with several businesses. What separates the, the successful business owners from the, those that always seem to struggle? Structure. Structure creates freedom. Typically, it's without fail. Normally, if I come into a business that's struggling, they lack processes. And so that structure piece, here's the thing. 
if, if you have a process around sales, if you have a process around marketing, inevitably to create a process, that means we have to think on it first. So we would have had to strategize first, and then we have to build it step by step. So if I have a process, even if the process is failing, I can reverse engineer and assess my process to know where, where, what step is broken. And then I can shore up my knowledge on that particular step to grow it or to fix it. But most times there's no process, which is why they feel like their hair is on fire. Mm. They're throwing spaghetti at the wall. And then the real frustration is I don't even know what's broken because I don't have processes um, around different divisions of my business. So um, I really just really, and that's hard for me. I'm a high D personality type, my strength finders. I'm the activator, uh, futuristic, strategic. So I'm that person. I'm a visionary. I see it. And then I'm like, let's go start it. Let's go get it done. And so I understand that sometimes structure, even for me as a business owner, has been something I struggle with because it's like, I don't have time to go build these processes. I'm dealing with these clients today. But oh my gosh, every time I build a process without fail, I realize that's what my business has been missing. And so for most small businesses, it's thinking about your structure. Yeah. Now oh, that's so important. So Liz, let me ask you, if somebody's listening and they want this structure, they, they want these processes, they want more of your advice on how they can uh, become more of a thought leader and get more business, where can they find you? Yeah, on LinkedIn is great. So Liz J. Simpson um, is who I am on LinkedIn. So you can simply look me up, Liz J. Simpson on LinkedIn. And then let me know that you came from the podcast and the message so I can give Adam his props. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and yeah, we'll put your LinkedIn link in our show notes so that anybody listening, you can just click on it and go to the LinkedIn so Liz, last question. Is there any, any other uh, wisdom or tips that you, uh, that you'd like to, to leave with our audience? Um, you know, I really would just say, you know, if you're in the B2B space, definitely LinkedIn is more than just a resume site. I think most uh, small businesses approach it as that's the place you go for resumes. Even their profile looks like, you know, a job, you know, these are my achievements. And so the one top tip, I guess, I would give is that if you're going to start on optimizing your digital footprint and really preparing for your buyer is to optimize your LinkedIn profile. So go through your profile and think through what is my buyer looking for? Everything from your headline. Make sure your headline speaks to the outcomes that you create for your buyer. Make sure your summary, even the description of your role. And, and if you're going to my LinkedIn profile to keep it simple, you can look at how my LinkedIn profile is structured and the language that I use and then reassess your own profile and rethink how you can structure that. That would be my top tip because if you're in the B2B space, your buyers are looking at your LinkedIn profile. Mm, love it. Well, Liz, thank you so much for being here today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Adam. Yeah. So, you know, anybody listening, if you would like to see if Liz can help you with your business, please reach out to her. We'll put her LinkedIn profile in the show notes. But uh, again, thank you so much for listening. And remember, the goal of your business should be to make more profit than last year and turn that profit into cash that you get to keep. Thanks for listening. The P is for Profit podcast is sponsored by the CFO Project. We help small business owners and entrepreneurs pocket bigger profits. If you're ready to discover the five changes required to boost your profits this quarter, you'll want to attend our latest presentation, Why Your Small Business Might Not Be As Profitable As It Should Be. Register at the CFO Project.com slash video.